You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Comic Report wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button. Do me a favor. Also hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. Always, always, always much appreciated. Today I'm joined by ESPN Dan Graziano as I wanted to bring you on a kind of a league-wide perspective on the Washington Commanders. I also did start by talking about the Philadelphia Eagles from the standpoint of what can the commanders learn from what how the Eagles have been built to reach this point. This is the third time in 20 years the Eagles have reached the Super Bowl, and it's with a different coach each time. So how have they been able to accomplish that? What can Washington learn from them? To me, if you just look at the rosters right now, got to do what the Eagles are going to get better up front. So that's going to be part of the offseason discussion. I know that's a heavy emphasis and a priority for this organization to get better along the line. Again, a big priority. So whether it's whether the senior bowl, combine, whatever, the draft will and that, you know, whether free agency, whatever, they're going to look for guys to get better along the front. That's what the Eagles have done to start with for this go-round of their Super Bowl run. Anyway, so I talked to Dan about that. We also talk about Washington's offensive coordinator search. Why would somebody come here in this situation? We give some answers. We, we talk about where they are as a, as a franchise and you know what he thinks about Sam Howell and things, things that he's heard about Sam Howell from others around the league. So we get into all that. So stay tuned in a, in a minute or two for that. Before we get to that point, just want to go over a couple of things, starting with the anniversary of the new name and the rebrand. A year ago, as I'm taping this, it's February 2nd, a year ago, the commanders unveiled the new name and their new brand, and it was met with a thud, right? Well, what do you think a year later? Give me, leave, you can leave me your thoughts on the YouTube page. There's a lot of comments underneath. You can go on there, just leave me what you think of the new name a year later. Have you accepted it? Do you like it? Are you warming to it? Do you think it doesn't matter as long as they win? So I kind of pose that question on so on Twitter. And basically, most people either dislike it or just say, just win. Doesn't matter, just win. So, But I'm curious, from your perspective as a fan, as a reporter, it's still taking me a little bit of time to get used to that name, I'll be honest. I know Joe Theismann said a year ago on this date that the more you say it, the more you're going to get used to it. Well, still kind of waiting for that to happen a little bit, but this, this is what they're called, so this is what I call them. As a fan of a sports team that changed their name, meaning the Cleveland Indians, they went to the Cleveland Guardians, I understand what this process has been like. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, but once again, I do think there's some differences here. Part of it is the Guardians actually had a really good year. 
and they made the playoffs, surprise team, a lot of exciting young players in the roster. So a lot of reason to look for hope to the future. It's a well-run organization. The look was also about the same as the past. The script on the front of the uniforms, the same. The color scheme, the same. The caps, you change it to a different style C, but they've changed that C over the years. So it really wasn't that big a deal. So when you when I would be watching them on TV, I'm not sitting there thinking, oh my God, this is a new team that I I don't, this is not the team of my youth. I really kind of thought like I'm watching the same team I've watched for many, many years. A lot of the same players on there. The ballpark looked the same. The uniforms looked the same. Plus, it's a good organization. And I think that really helped uh, help the transition to a new name. I don't know how many people there have fully embraced that new name. I think what they embrace is still the organization and the team itself more so than the name, because I'm guarantee if you ask people if what they preferred, they'd go back to the old one. However, they I do think they embrace this team because of everything I just said. I think that's kind of a contrast to what's happened here in Washington, that the team hasn't won in a long time. And not even a, uh, a title, but just been a consistent playoff performer. They haven't done that. So I think that kind of leads to some of the lack of um, or the displeasure about the name or all everything involved. Then there's a, the dislike and this distrust of the owner and the organization itself. I think it all adds to it. And it, it does. They do look different. So but I'm anyway, that's a couple of my thoughts. I'm curious your thoughts. Leave the comments on YouTube. The second thing, as far as the offensive coordinator search, Ron Rivera did interview Anthony Lynn. Rivera has been spending the week out in California visiting his dad, also had participated in that pro-am at Pebble Beach. Uh, a big impetus for him going out there was to visit his dad. It's the first week he has taken off this offseason. Um, a, a lot of coaches will take the time off within a few weeks of the season ending. He stayed here, did all the player evals, staff evaluations, and then also started the process of looking for a new offensive coordinator, which has consumed a lot of his time. So I think, um, but anyway, so that's what he's doing out there. At the Senior Bowl, you have Marty Herney, Mark Mayhew, you have Jack Del Rio, you have Ken Zampezi and a few others. They're well represented there for those who are worried about that. They're well represented there. Um, I know in the past from talking to Rivera, one of the things that he puts a big emphasis on leading into the draft is stuff, you know, things that happen in the combine, but also those pro days. I, I remember talking to him about some receivers that he'd watched at the pro days last year and the little things that he picks up just by watching how guys are during those periods. I think that's something that he looks forward to as much as anything. Anyway, so again, I'm interviewed Anthony Lynn, still waiting on Eric Bieniemy after the, after the Super Bowl. Again, if I had to guess now, it would be between two guys, Bieniemy and Pat Shermer. Just my just my sense, my and and I think in a a guess, maybe call it an educated guess, but I don't but I don't know for sure, but just the way, you know, that's that's where I would go right now personally, just as a handicapping the situation could change, don't know, because I don't know everything, right? So and you can tell me that, my kids will tell me that, but that's where I would if I had to put my money right now on something, those would be the two. We'll see what happens because Bienemy would have to not only talk to them, but also not maybe he's going to maybe depending on whether it's the choices he has would then have to pick this franchise perhaps over somebody else like a Baltimore still ways to go. Anyway, just wanted to give you an update on that. So stay tuned. Now here's my conversation with ESPN's Dan Graziano. Well, Dan, I appreciate you joining me. And I want to start with, because we have the Super Bowl coming up, the Eagles, the NFC East, and how Washington kind of stacks up in there. 
But let's start with the Eagles, because when you look at them, like this is three Super Bowl trips now in 20 years with different yeah. coaches each time. What have they figured out that this team and others maybe have not? I mean, like this all kind of started in a game against Washington at the end of the 2020 season, right? Where yeah. they, pull, they pulled the Hurts, right? And they put in, what was it, Sudfeld? Sudfeld. And everybody went nuts. And like the Giants fans got nuts. And Joe Judge was yelling about the Eagles throwing the game and all this kind of stuff. And Doug Peterson gets fired. Uh, and Carson Wentz gets traded to Indianapolis. And like all of a sudden, like they hire Nick Sirianni and they decide they're going to work with Hurts. So that was kind of like where it all kind of turned, right? <laughs> to the right. current iteration. Um, but you know, a lot has to like the way they operate, the way they run their, their team, the, some of the guiding, one of their guiding principles is we're never going to get caught short at the quarterback position, right? Like they draft Jalen hurts in the second round, right after they signed Carson Wentz to an extension, like they were right. never expecting in their, in their ideal world hurts never plays for them, right? Because Wentz is great and, and is their franchise guy and takes them to multiple Super Bowl. but obviously it didn't happen and you can't count on your ideal world. So they thought, well, here's a guy we think can be a starting quarterback in the NFL, and we can get him in the second round. Let's do it. And all of a sudden, you have this – It he turns out to be this, this incredibly driven, self-motivated, hyper-talented, you know, leader who, who could be on the verge of superstardom in the league. Um, they didn't know that, but it was worth a shot, right? So they're constantly building out the roster in those ways. Like, you look at some of their – some of the draft picks in recent years, and what the what the reasons for it are. Jordan Davis is a great player for them already, but one of the reasons uh, they have him is because they look down the road and they think maybe we're only going to have Fletcher Cox another year or two, you know. And, and they draft a couple interior linemen because, well, Jason Kelsey, we don't know how long he's going to want to play, but we know how old he is, and 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 uh, we may need. So so they're constantly operating that way. Last year they had three first round picks. They feel like we're not going to do the quarterback thing. Let's spin one of those off and get, and get another another for next year in case. Now they're sitting here with two first round picks this year. Like they're just, it's almost like three D chess. Like like you're always seeing the the different possibilities of what could happen. As fans, I think very often people think, uh, you know, the draft is like, well, they need this position. That's the, the the Eagles are thinking we need all the positions all the time. Right. Um, and, and I think that's why you have a situation where twice in five years with two different coaches, two different quarterbacks, you could end up in the Super Bowl. And, and frankly, I think they're probably favored to win it, right? I mean, they. I would think so. we have to see who's who's healthy for the Chiefs here in the next right. week and a half. Yeah. yeah. And, when, and when you look at them, you bring up the point about the quarterbacks too. How many teams do you think really, because, you know, you talk to guys like, you know, older guys, the Ron Wolfs of the world, who like you never believed you had enough of them. And, you know, and um, I remember even, a couple of years ago, when it was a Chase Young pick here, you'd have Mel Kuyper like, if you don't have a quarterback, you've got to take one, period. So how many people do you think really kind of adhere to that philosophy? It's got to be one. It's got to be one you believe in, though, right? I mean, sure, they, they saw something in Jalen Hurts, like force right. the pick. And then, you know, they didn't take one in the first round that year. Um, there was an opportunity to present it itself. So, but I mean, look at them now, like Gardner Minshew is the backup. Like that's a real quarterback who has started games in the league. Like you can, you can put him in. And and feel like you, you know, if you have the rest of your rosters in good shape, you can you can be okay. Go back to when Wentz started. They had Sam Bradford, right? And they had Wentz and they had Chase Daniel. That was their quarterback right. depth chart. And Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt. So Minnesota sends them a one for Bradford. And they're like, well, Wentz is ready. We can do this. And two years later in their Super Bowl, in large part because of what Wentz did. So yeah, it, it's just constantly like I the number two quarterback is not the 53rd guy on the roster right <laughs> like, like that's a more relevant position than that 
And, and I think that they definitely view that that way as something worth investing in and worth cultivating. Um, and as a result, I mean, you know, they've, they've had this level of success. Again, the, the last time they're in the Super Bowl, Nick Foles <laughs> was the starter. Right? Right. I mean, like, like, so this is, this is a team that has lived that credo and done it the right way. And again, it's not just get a quarterback. It's make sure it's somebody you can believe in and or count on. It also seems like count on, but also build around them. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things that impresses me. They built that line. They added, you know, Jalen Hurts needs more weapons. Give him more weapons. And so I think that's one of the things they seem to have identified and aggressively attacked what they needed, it seems. Right. And the specificity of it strikes me, too, because like A.J. Brown, obviously a lot has to happen for a guy like that to become available and then to get him. But when they looked last year, so we need a, you know, we need a, another receiver. Because, I mean, Devontae Smith's first-round pick and an incredible player. Right. Uh, he could be your number one, right? right? And that, that's okay. But they felt like A.J. Brown is a guy that excels at doing things route-wise in the middle of the field that, that on throws that Jalen Hurts has kind of struggled with. So not only is he a dynamic player and a potential number one receiver, but he also helps us in a very specific way that, that, is, that pertains to our quarterback and what he specifically needs. So it was a perfect, it was a perfect addition and he hadn't been available. Maybe they do take a shot on like a a Tyreek Hill, whatever, but they identified Brown early on as a guy that a could be available for, for reasons that he ended up being and, and be someone who could help them in a specific way as in addition to just being a really great player on on a team with, with other great players. So yeah, they've, they're a great example of how to do it. And, and so are the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs are, I mean, I was at their game on, on Sunday and, and wrote about this, like the number of contributions they're getting from their rookie class, right? right? <laughs> like, like the Chiefs, we think of as sort of this mainstay, uh, but they're almost like, I almost look at them as like, they're kind of earlier in their window maybe than the Eagles are when you think about True. the youth of their roster, yeah. uh, which is amazing to think about. So yeah, th- there's a study in that too, in terms of roster building. And of course, you know, when you have Mahomes, um, everything's easier. And when you look at the NFC East too, like, I mean, it does seem feel like the Eagles and everybody else. Do you how do you see it that I know? First of all, we also know that there's the last repeat winner is what two thousand four. You never so you never know what what looks like one thing now. A year from now, we could be looking at it differently because yeah. they do have Matt Bowen came out with his top fifty free agents. Six of them in the top forty two are from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So you know there there's always that you know ability to keep it together. Sure. But how do you like handicap the other three teams in going in this offseason who are already done is, you know, how would you handicap the, the rest? I mean, Dallas is a 12 win team that that, you know, is probably another receiver or two away from, you know, sort of maintaining its level of, of performance. The Giants are a playoff team. Like, I mean, they'll they'll bolster the offense around Jones and ideally Saquon Barkley if they keep those two guys. But you know, you're right. I mean, I believe in that. That that division is so tightly bunched all the time. That 18 year yeah. streak is no is no joke. Um, so yeah, I don't think you assume that the Eagles roll to another title next year. And and I think you know what the Commanders do at quarterback could could make a big difference in all this as well because they're you know I mean you obviously know that the, the receivers look really good. The defense has been good. Like like there's there's yeah. stuff there, right? That's yeah. not a nothing team. That's not they a, weren't a, a far ground behind zero you. rebuild, yeah. right? Exactly. So um, I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, but there are a lot of interesting options. And uh, if they get it right, then they have a chance to be in that mix in a division that, as you say, is the only the only thing I feel like we know is that the Eagles aren't going to win it. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> so when you look at, cause like, obviously right now, Sam Howell is a guy that they really, yeah. they're liking, they're intrigued by. And, you know, whether or not he ends up to be the starter, he's going to go in there as the guy that has the best shot to win it right mm-hmm. now. We don't know what other moves they're going to make. My guess is they're going to get a low, a low, a mid-level vet, you know, whether it's re-signing Heineke, get a guy like Brissett, someone of that, of that level. What do you think the percept, you know, do you, have you talked to anybody about how and gotten any sort of sense of what other teams maybe think about how, um, whether from before the draft or, or, or now? There were, there were one or two people that told me before the draft that, you know, so, so much was flying around about the quarterbacks and I, I like that, that guy could be the best one in the draft. And I heard that from more than one place and not from Washington. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's, you know, he, he performed at a high level early in his college career. His last year was, was not his best. Uh, so there's, there's stuff there. I mean, like Hertz is a good example, right? Like these right. guys are not always going to be what they are when they enter the league. Right. right. Like you can, if you get the right people around him and the right coaching around him uh, and, and he's the right kind of person, then, then you can work on the stuff. Now it may be that Sam Howell has limitations that keep him from ever being Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but that doesn't mean that he can't be extremely good. Right. And again, that they do have a lot of places for him to throw the ball. I mean, like they've, they've done a really good job building that out. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's like, I, I would think you have to, if you're in their position, you have to think about, well, if we aim really high, what's it look like? And then let's say, uh, like, can we get Aaron Rodgers? I'm just throwing, this is a right, completely right. high. Well, they tried last right? year. Yeah. And if you can't, then all right, well, what is, where does that leave us? Right. The, what we would have spent in terms of resources to acquire Aaron Rodgers, whether that's picks, money, both, how do we allocate that? If the quarterback option is a mid range, like a Jacoby Brissett, well, that leaves us an awful lot that we were going to spend on Aaron Rodgers that we don't have to spend for Jacoby. So what do we do with that to make sure Jacoby's in the best position or Sam Howell's in the best position? So that's where they have to sort of operate and, and they have to assess what they have and Howell and what they can reasonably expect him to be next year and going forward if they're going to, if they're going to make that kind of decision. Right. And I think fixing the offensive line and going back to the Eagles, the thing I really, really like about what they've done is that offensive line. And Dallas, of course, was powered by that line for years. And then, you know, had uh, built around that. But I think that's one of the areas they're going to attack to do exactly what you said and and something that they said they wanted to do with Carson Wentz. It did not work. Were you surprised at how bad it went with Wentz? No. You mean this year in Washington? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, because, I mean, like, it didn't they, – They he went to Indy and it was supposed to work with Frank Reich and they were close and all this kind of stuff and it just didn't work. And I remember being in Indy's camp this summer sort of asking around about why it didn't work. and. You heard a lot about how, you know, Wentz is, he's a good player. He's not a bad guy. He's just kind of, you know, he's a little stubborn and like we were trying to get him to do certain things. And he was sure that he could, he was sure that he could do what he wanted to do instead. Like, it just didn't seem like he was, he was taking coaching very well in Indianapolis. And I thought, well, Reich was supposed to be the Wentz whisperer, right? right? Like if he can't take that guy's coaching, <laughs> then how's he going to go somewhere else? So I'm not surprised that it, that it didn't go well. Um, you saw flashes, like you see what he can yeah. do but he doesn't do it consistently and he doesn't seem to be the kind of the kind of guy that, you know, is willing to look in the mirror and say, here's what I really need to grind on in right. order to fix this problem. And if right. he's not going to be that, then he's not going to last. Right. Do you, here's the other thing. Do you think his career, I mean, where do you think the future yeah. is for him? Because 
you know, it's funny because someone was like, well, you could maybe, yeah, well, yeah. And, <laughs> but like, do you, does he, if somebody gets hurt during the season, if, if he's not signed, yeah. do they go get him? But like, if he's a guy who holds the ball, you want guys who can come in and move a little bit in that kind of mm-hmm. situation. So like, what is his future? Do you think? I think his best case scenario is he's Geno Smith, right? Like you go somewhere where you can work on your craft and not have to perform on Sunday. Right. And someone you get with a coach that can identify the parts of your game that need work and how to attack. And then when your opportunity comes again, you're better positioned than anyone expected you to be. Right. I think that's that's ideal. Right. Like that's that's a good. Now, I'm not saying it has to take that long. I'm not saying. But I mean, right. there are very few of those situations. There were were there were there 60 different starting quarterbacks in the league this year. I mean, like. Wherever he ends up, if he's end up as a backup, there's a chance he's going to have to play. Right. Right. Gino played behind Russell Wilson, who never got hurt. So um, I think Wentz has to find a way to operate in the shadows for a while and, and really drill down on the parts of his game that need to improve if he's going to be a successful NFL player. Because if he gets thrown into a situation again where he's just out there on Sunday winging it around and he hasn't had to confront his his deficiencies then I don't think he's ever going to have a chance to correct that. I'm not saying he's going to get right. it done if he's in a, a Geno situation. Right. Again, not everybody does yes. that. Right. But I think that's, again, that's the ideal path if he's going to have anything like the career that he anticipated. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm curious, like what team would actually want to take that chance with him knowing that yeah. he doesn't have the mobility and he has like, you know, there's a pension for holding the ball. You better have a really good line if you're going to get him. So there's so mm-hmm. many things that – I just wonder what he how he would view his future as well. What about like for Washington? The big question here is Deron Payne and mm. signing him. What do you think the market will be for Deron Payne? Yeah, I think we've seen the guys that are excellent at that position, you know, can get paid you know pretty well. I mean, I think that that's and I think he's you know, he's a guy that I mean, you you see him you see all his games. Like right. he's, he's a really good player. Like, like right. he's not going to be easy for them to sign. Cause I assume there's going to be other interests there. The defensive tackle position does not, it doesn't get the glory that the edge rusher gets obviously, but and it doesn't get the money the edge rusher gets, but some of those guys have done really well for themselves. And I think, you know, you're in a situation where I don't know, is he, I mean, is, is he like a Dexter Lawrence type and what he's doing in, in, yeah. in New York? Like, is he like, I'm trying to think what his, what his market is going to be, who his comps are. But um, it's yeah, hard because he's, he's coming off a career year and 11 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't show anything to that level before this year. And so I just, mm-hmm. you know, and you talk to other people, it's like, no, they think he still can maybe not reduplicate 11 and a half, but still be an effective mm-hmm. pass rusher. But it's still, you wonder how that plays out with, on the market. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, it might be one of those guys that they, they value him more highly than other teams would. Right. Because know. they know and, him and, and right. And how yeah. much do you invest in the defensive line if you're Washington? You just paid John Allen. You have Montez Sweat coming up the following year. You know Chase Young at some point, maybe yeah. if he's right, if he can consistently be on the field. I, don't, I just right. had kind of a lost year, yeah. but um, yes, I mean, look, I, I, the defensive line is not a bad place to invest. Like, like no. you mentioned, they have to invest on the offensive line, and at some point, they have to get a quarterback. So, my sense would be you probably don't want to overcommit. Like, I think you have to find a deal with Deron Payne that, that, that where you go to him and say, look, here's what we have to do. Like, we've got to spend money elsewhere. Like you, if you can get more than this and that's what you want, fine. But if you'll work with us on structure, right. If you'll work with us on guarantee structure, you know, we can, we can work something out. So I don't think it's necessarily like if there's a bidding war for him, 
you're right. They're probably not positioned to win it as much as a team that looks at it as, Hey, that's our one big need, right? Mm -hmm. Like let, let's, you know, let, let's look at teams that, that kind of almost made it this year that, that could use that, you know, Dallas, right. <laughs> right for right. example. So um, you could get outbid for a team like that, that, that that's all they have to use their resources on. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably a tricky sign for them. How much do you think the ownership situation will kind of muddle free agency for these guys? Uh, like, would you think that you think that, you know, how much will like, I know it could depend on their budget and all that and who pays, but also will, yeah. how will agents react to guys coming here when you look at the, you know, not just ownership, but then Revere's going into his fourth year, et cetera, et cetera. So I think with regard to like, if you're hiring an offensive coordinator, yeah. right. You may have candidates that look and say, well, are they going to sell the team? I don't know if Rivera is going to be there more than one more, you know, like that could, but I think with players, I, I think you don't see that as much, right? I, I think if you if you can offer the money and, and you can, you know, maybe maybe if you're bringing in a quarterback and there's somebody they want to work, but but they're very, you know, players are their careers are short. They don't get to really be that choosy. So I don't know that it affects free agency unless, you know, Snyder knows he's going to sell and he wants to cut back on spending. I mean, that's the kind of thing, right? But I think if the money's going to be there, I don't think ownership change is going to affect really much of in terms of potential you know players wanting to sign there I, I think that's probably a couple levels removed from the way most free agents think right and it, you know it's funny because i've had people ask me before about when there was g when scott McLuhan was here and their gm questions like oh nobody's going to want to sign there now players mm. typically are going to sign where they're going to pay them right i mean yeah if they had fired rivera and they were looking for a head coach then ownership questions would be a factor, right? right? Like a head coach might not want to come here knowing the team's going to get sold. And now I work for somebody that didn't hire me, but they didn't. And maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons why Rivera was right. safe. I don't right. know. In addition to, I mean, maybe it's a, a fine, a good enough job, but um, yeah, I, I think that's, I think when it comes to players, I think you're right. I, I don't think that that plays much into it. What about, and you brought up the coordinator because they do need an offensive coordinator. They do. So what, you know, how would you assess there's, there's still a few of them open. How would you assess mm -hmm. this opening compared to like a Baltimore, Tennessee, which is still have those jobs open? Yeah. I mean, look, it's a seller's market, right? When you, when you factor in the five head coach openings, there were at one point 13 potential offensive coordinator openings. Right. Uh, so if, you know, if, if you are worried about, well, who's the quarterback going to be and how long is the coach going to be there? You know, you can, you can pass on an opportunity like that, knowing you might have others, um, but they're filling up. Right. Right. So, I mean, right. That like the, the Jets hired, the Chargers hired, the Rams. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think I don't know, like I think someone like the enemy is interesting. Right. Because here's a guy that doesn't seem to be able to get his head coach opportunity. Maybe he's on Indy's list still. I don't know. But um, I, I think he's going to want to go somewhere where no one can say, oh, it's really Andy Reid. Right. Right. And I, I understand all the argument. I, I get what's at play there. And, and I'm sympathetic. Right. Like that wasn't that didn't keep Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson from getting jobs. And I recognize the unfairness of it. but but the world's an unfair place. And I think at this point, Eric Bieniemy realizes that. So here this may be an opportunity to come in and say, I can put my stamp on something. And if you have a talented guy who's driven to do that, then then you might fall into something. Um, but I I also think it's tough to hire an offensive coordinator when you can't tell them who the quarterback's going to be. Right. So like, that's the, that's the other thing they have to figure out. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think they're probably I don't think when you look back when there were all those openings that they would have been the top one. And I think the reason is the uncertainty around the quarterback situation and the uncertainty around the coaching situation. If, in fact, and we don't know, maybe Robin Rivera coaches there 10 more. I have no idea. But uh, right. but the fact of the matter is, if they don't win next year, they're going to be legitimate questions about his right. future. Though. Right. Uh, so I think you have to find someone who's got a little something to prove, who's on the, who's on the come and, and hope that you find yourself a star. And, um, unfortunately, if you do, you might not have him for long, <laughs> Right. but, uh, but you might, you might set some good foundations in the meantime. Well, and that's why with Bienemy, because, um, you're right. Like what, cause people ask, why would he leave KC? Well, cause he'd want to call yeah. his own plays and you want to show that it's, you know, I can do this versus I'm just part of Andy Reid's system. And, right. you know, but then it's like, well, would you, if he's offered it here, cause they're going to wait for him. If he's offered it here, what if Baltimore offers it too? You have Lamar, you have mm-hmm. a stable situation. Why would you know? Would he? Why would you pick Washington in that situation? Are those receivers enough to say? And then I guess it depends if you like Sam Howell and, and Lamar. I mean, like, look, I mean, like, Lamar is right. not. Uh, I, I, there are there are coaches who, right or wrong, look at Lamar and go, "I'm not sure." Right? Like, I'm not sure that that. I'm going to be able to design what I need to design to maximize him. Right. And Lamar is great, obviously. Like, like that's a that's a good problem to have. But it's also some of these guys don't feel creative enough, right? <laughs> right. Or, or want to work that hard to 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 build that. So Greg Roman did, um, and and to great uh, effect for a while. And the other thing is Lamar is a free agent. He does not have a long term. You don't know. Maybe it goes bad in negotiations, mm-hmm. and he demands a trade. Now you show up. Now you don't have Lamar. And now what? He, you're in a situation very similar to what you've got uh, in Washington, maybe even worse. So I think, you know, it becomes about where you, where you want to live, where you see your best opportunity, where you think you, if you're, if you're, let's say use the enemy example, again, he wants to be a head coach. Uh, does this help me? Does this help propel me toward that? Does this, do I, would I do better working with this group here? Maybe you say, Oh, the receivers, like whoever the quarterback is, you got better receivers than Baltimore does. Um, we like the running backs. Maybe we like what they're doing on the offensive line. So, yeah, I think there, there are possible ways that you you could convince yourself to pick that over. And, and I don't know. I mean, this would be a bad reason to do it. But looking from the outside, I mean, John Harbaugh is not going anywhere anytime soon. But if you think Ron Rivera might be. <laughs> well, and that's you what I, you, know, you never know. Take over, right? Well, because, yeah. yeah, if the offense does well and the, and the team doesn't win yeah. overall, then maybe you're in a yeah. position to get that. And. You know, right. he's got a reputation as a guy who pushes people pretty hard. So mm-hmm. we'll see. What about like Pat Shermer's another name in there? He's been around a while. Do you have a sense for his reputation as, a, as an offensive coach? Yeah, I think you know exactly what you're going to get there. I mean, he's got plenty in the bank. You've seen the good. You've seen him win with, with Case Keenum and, and put up points. And, you, and you've seen places where uh, it hasn't gone as well for him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, he, I think he's he's pretty reliable. Like, he knows how to run the room. He knows how to operate a practice. He knows how to design a system. You know, whether he's had some success with it, he's had some places where he didn't. So you have to decide whether the recent failures of his were because whatever Denver did ever Denver never had a quarterback, right? The Giants' situation was a mess, uh, or because maybe he's lost his fastball. So um, he's been around a while, and again, I think you know exactly what you're going to get there. So that's that's sort of the other way to go if you want to bring in the up and comer and hope you catch a rising star versus, well, we want stability. We want some, something reliable. We want something we know exactly what it's going to be every day. Then Shermer fits that category. Just a couple of minutes here. Um, 
st- staying with quarterbacks, because one of the guy I wanted to ask you about was Justin Field, because this team was this team was very interested in him coming yep. out a couple of years ago and wanted to move up for him, didn't want to pay whatever the price it was. Is Chicago going to keep him? I think that's the most likely outcome. Yes, I, I think I know it's been raised uh, the possibility since they have the one pick of right. like if you think Bryce Young is better. That then it makes sense to to amass those picks and do it. I, I don't think that's how they're thinking. Uh, it, it may be that they get through their evaluations and decide yes, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or whoever is a better long term play, especially considering what we could get for Fields. But I also think it's possible they look into what they can get for the pick, and that right. may be even more. Right <laughs> when you think about it, if somebody wants to come up and take one of those guys, the quarterbacks in this year's draft. I mean. You're hearing a lot of stuff. I mean, Bryce Young, everybody loves the way Bryce Young plays, but they all wish he was taller, right? right? <laughs> and so, like, there, there's, there's under 200 there, pounds, too. Yes. So there's there's questions about that, and, and there's questions about, you know, upside on C.J. Stroud, and there's questions about polish on Will Levis and obviously uh, Richardson. Uh, so it may be that it's not the year to go up and get a quarterback at one, in which case the Bears could very well stand pat and take – Jalen Carter or Will Anderson and, and be very happy with that because that, that would be a significant helper for them in the short and long term. So I don't know if they've decided yet, but I think the, the likely outcome is that they keep him. Yes. And where do you think, what about Carr? Where do you think he ends up? And again, I, I would just say this, I do not believe this team's going to go for him. So, you know, but I mean, until he's somewhere. You don't think they'll pursue him at all or you don't think they did. Trade well, let me say him. this. They call on them a couple of times last year. I would be really surprised if they were if they were aggressive going after him. Now, if he's free, right? I think you you owe it to yourself to call, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're going to trade for him. I, I don't. Maybe I'm kidding myself. I don't know why how anyone's going to trade for him because he has a no trade clause. And why would he help out the Raiders? Like no, <laughs> you know, like cut me or pay me. Like with like let like I can go be a free agent and make more. Or if you want to wait. Till three days after the Super Bowl, then I got forty million guaranteed coming the next two years, no matter what you do. So I would play hardball with them if I were him, but he hasn't in the past. Um, maybe now that he's been fired, he will. Uh, but it, it, anyway, if they cut him, he's a street free agent. They could sign him in in, uh, in February if they wanted to. So uh, I'm interested to see that. It'd be it'd be it'd be. A, I, I like that spot for him, you know, because I think he's. Obviously, he's shown more than Sam Howell has. He's shown more than Jacoby Brissett has. You know, guys we've talked about earlier, and I think he's, you know, he's never really played with a with a very good defense. And uh, they have receivers. They have a running back or two that they like. Yeah, I, I like that spot for him. I think that's the kind of team he needs to be looking at. And uh, I'm not sure how they feel about him, but um, but yeah, I, I don't. I think he could do well there. Um, two more minutes. Uh, Jones and Barkley, they're going to go back to New York, you think? Tricky because there's only one franchise tag. Right. Uh, so I think they'd love to re-sign Daniel Jones and tag Barkley for $10 million, uh, which would be like a pay cut for Saquon. But um, he, uh, uh, I, I think if they can't reach a deal with Jones that he gets tagged and then Barkley ends up on the market. Now, it's a flooded running back free agent market, and that's a position nobody likes to pay anyway. So maybe they end up being able to keep him even if that happens. But I think they'd like to keep them both. Uh, the quarterback, as is often the case, is the priority. And last thing on Bienemy, what is his reputation with people you talk to about him as an offensive coach? 
And why do people think he'd be a really, do they think he'd be a good play caller and coordinator in, in a, in a full-time situation without any read around? Yeah, look, I mean, I think Reed is, is in charge of everything there right. and fundamentally is the play caller, but the enemy has play calling experience. Reed does, right. he does farm some of that out and more and more as the years have gone on. So um, he's done it. Uh, he's, he's got leadership qualities, right? Like he's good in the room and, and players respect him and listen to him. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know what's, I mean, half the league has interviewed him for head coach and no one's hired him. So I don't know. There's something, there's some disconnect uh, when he gets in that room. But um, my understanding is that he's a good coach and, uh, and, and certainly at least as deserving of an opportunity as some others before him have been, if not more so. Right. So I think you'd get someone who's incredibly motivated uh, and well-trained, right? <laughs> like he's worked for the right people uh, and, and overdue for an opportunity. So that, that can be, that can all be good things. There you go. Graz, appreciate your time. You're the best. Thanks a lot, man. My pleasure. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Dan for joining me and thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with a new podcast out Sunday night. It'll be on YouTube Monday morning with the voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein, as we go over a lot of roster decisions, starting with what do you do with Deron Payne? Should you consider trading him? we get into all of that. Again, Sunday night, podcast, Monday morning, YouTube. See you next time.